evening and welcome to Sign the Gavel, the show that tells it all regarding family court, other court issues, as well as CPS. I am your host, Marianne Petrie. Now, Bradley's mother, Narka Skolan, passed away three months ago. He is autistic and needs structured routine and therapies he receives for his autism six days a week. However, Italy just entrusted Bradley to the Italian social services. If he is ruled to go back to Italy, he will face the next three to four years in the Italian foster care system where he can't speak or understand the language. He will be taken away from the only family he has ever known. Please call Governor Hochul in New York State at 518-474-8390. That's Governor Hochul at 518-474-8390. Hashtag keep Bradley safe. Now I've got a brand new guest on. I have a young woman here. She's from Colorado. Her name is Jackie. She's a 20-year-old, and she wants to talk about the psychological abuse she suffered at the hands of a young man when she was 17 in high school, and she wants to let everyone know what to watch for with the red flags in the beginnings of a relationship and onward. So I welcome you, Jackie. How are you this afternoon? I'm good. How are you? I'm okay. So, you know, where are you at now in your life? He's, he's not in your life anymore. No, he's not. Mm -hmm. Um, we, our relationship lasted for almost three and a half years. I was in denial Mm -hmm. of how he treated me. And I've been almost a year, um, single and away from him. And it's been very nice to be independent and able to do what I want and not have to deal with a narcissist mm -hmm. controlling me. When did you first, you know, sometimes it's very insidious. When did you first notice, like, was he controlling? Yes, very controlling. And I started to notice when my mom sat me down and asked where my friends were because I always hung out with him. And my parents were very concerned, but they didn't want to push me away. So they just were very concerned and had me go in therapy. And I was in denial when I was in therapy as well, just talking loops and loops around what she was trying to tell me. She was asking if he was controlling. I'm like, no, no, he lets me have all these he lets me have all this independent time. He's never controlling. He just likes to hang out with me a lot. And then I finally realized around almost like a few months before we broke up that the signs were there and I stopped going to therapy because I thought it wasn't helping. Mm. And the signs were there. He alienated me from all my friends, including all my guy friends who I did not have any like feelings for, but he thought I did. And even my best girlfriends that he didn't like, I only had like one friend and it was also his friends. So it was putting him in the middle. So I never went for advice and it put me in and I was very alienated in that. And I started just realizing how is he able to talk to all these girls and able to have all these friends when I'm just by myself. And that's when I started feeling that I was being controlled. 
Yeah, what's good for the goose is good for the gander, but not not for someone who's being coercively controlled. Mm -hmm. And if I ever even talked to a guy when I was working, he if he saw me have a conversation with this guy, because he worked at the same place I worked at, which also is a bad idea, he would come up to me and ask for the whole conversation. And if something seemed inappropriate, he would tell me not to speak to them again and he would even talk to them. And he even told one of the guys at the place I worked at that I felt uncomfortable around him. Hmm. And it was, I didn't know he said that until the guy came up and apologized to me and I didn't understand why he didn't make me feel uncomfortable he was just asking me like about my life because I started working there and I just felt so alone even at work I couldn't talk to anyone at work because he would keep tabs on me mm -hmm. and it was just horrible would he tell you not to wear makeup or dress up or look nice yes um I used to do my makeup every day I used to do my hair I would wear ripped jeans and just nice clothes every day to school. And he told me that is inappropriate. That is horrible for you to wear. And he even asked if he could have his mom patched up my jeans. Because he, he said that only like that only girls who are looking for the wrong men wear ripped jeans and crop tops and makeup. And he would say, oh, you don't need to wear makeup. You're beautiful without it. But then I realized I was wearing it for myself and we would get arguments over it. Mm -hmm. For me, making myself feel pretty. And he would want me to look practically. I'm not ugly without makeup. I don't think I am. But practically, I wouldn't feel like myself when we would go out because he just wanted me to look normal, not feel pretty at all when I was outside. And... It was horrible because I was always self-conscious, even like going to the store or on a date because he would be all dressed up and it would make no sense to me until no. I started realizing the signs. Mm -hmm. How often did he tell you not to wear makeup? Um, when we first started dating, he didn't, he didn't say it right away. He waited until like the summertime when I was like hanging out with my friends more and he like just like brought it on like because I always did my makeup in front of him too when we would go out he's he just kept on how about you don't wear eyeshadow how about you use a little less um just contour like he knew because I would talk about makeup all the time because I love doing it and mm -hmm. he knew like all the different um things I used and why don't you just like add less highlighter, just add less lipstick. You don't need it. And then it started becoming, oh, you don't need any. We can just go out right now. And I'm like, I don't feel right going out, which is a plain face. I like doing my makeup. And then it turned in, well, you just want to look pretty for everyone. Mm -hmm. Why do you want to go to school looking like that? You already have me. It was just insane. Oh, you know, this is... You know, this is why you're on is to alert even even guys uh, that may be going through coercive control. I mean, 
about mm-hmm. things, you know, this can happen to what I'm trying to say is this can happen to both young men and women. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, you have like, the unfortunately, the perfect case of abuse. Mm-hmm. And, but he, go ahead. Um, It was just, I didn't understand until my family didn't recognize me anymore because I wore um, very plain clothes for the last like year of our relationship because I didn't like arguing. And that's what really brought me on to see the signs. I just didn't want to fight with him anymore. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the voice in me to tell him my opinions. I just would just stop every fight, even if it was about something he did. I would just, okay, fine, we're done. We're done talking about it. I'm not upset anymore, even though I was holding it all inside. And when my own family couldn't recognize me, that's when I started just realizing I didn't want to be with him anymore. You know, um, I know that you had told me earlier when we talked on the phone that you had taken a trip. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it was like to New York City and you just went with a couple of, you know, I think I think it was your mom, Joy, and a, a couple other girls, and he got upset. Yes, I got off the plane. I didn't have service immediately, and I don't know how he found out, but he knew I had my phone out. Like, I don't know how he did, but he blew up my phone. As soon as I got service, I had, like, I would say almost, like, 50 text messages of him just swearing calling me a horrible, horrible names that I don't even like saying. And so many missed calls just because I just got off the plane. I was still getting my bags. My phone sometimes goes in and out of service wherever I'm at. Mm -hmm. And he already knows that. He knows that. So I don't know why he was freaking out. And I gave him my flight number. And so he was definitely checking the status, I think, seeing if my plane landed. But and he broke up with me because I wasn't communicating well enough with him. And then I just cried in the airport, which is probably the most embarrassing thing to do over oh. a guy that I've only known for two months mm-hmm. that love bond me to the point where I was obsessed with him. And my mom was like, oh, let's, let's just go back to the hotel room and just have some fun. And I was finally, st- I finally stopped crying and then I got millions of phone calls from him again. And then I got a text saying, I'm going to kill myself. Mm-hmm. And I, I just remember just feeling so cold after he said that. Cause I would hate being, I thought I was to blame at that point. So I answered the phone and he was telling me I'm in the bathtub and I have a knife and I'm going to kill myself if we don't get back together. And I didn't know what to do at that point because I was only 17 mm-hmm. and I didn't want to tell my mom. I didn't want to tell anyone. So I just gave in and the whole trip I had to check in on him and t- send pictures of what I'm wearing out that he deemed appropriate enough. Mm. And he just, if I didn't answer him right away, like in 10 minutes, he would just start sending me horrible text messages. Why aren't you answering me? Um, if you truly love me, you would answer me right away. Just everything was, it made the trip horrible. I don't want to go back to New York. It was just, 
Mm -hmm. It just makes me feel horrible. Mm -hmm. Oh, sure. That's, you know, that manipulation tactic is what they use to ruin your fun time. Mm -hmm. You weren't even doing anything wrong. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That was the same part. I always thought it was my fault because he would always say it was my fault that we were getting in arguments, what I was wearing, my opinions, just everything was an argument to him. And I started turning into him, like my opinions were his and I wore whatever he picked out because whenever I would go over to his house, I had clothes there and he would pick out what I was wearing. And I don't know why I lived like that for three years. And this went on for three years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even your family kind of just didn't know what to think of this when this was going on. Or you didn't tell them? I didn't. I didn't tell my mom. I told my mom about the trip. I didn't say he what he said, but she knew he broke up with me. I mean, he broke up with me and that it was for a bad reason. So she kind of didn't like him for a while. Mm-hmm. But after that, he started doing stuff for my parents. Like he would come over, mow the lawn, help my dad build stuff. So my parents started thinking he was a nice guy, mm-hmm. but behind closed doors, they never heard us argue. So they didn't really know until I started seeing that he was a bad guy for me. And I told my parents around the three year mark that I didn't think it was going to work anymore. And my parents like said, we never, we always felt like you were never yourself around him. Mm-hmm. But we didn't want to say anything because we knew you would protect him because my mom even kind of knew the signs what were going on. But if she couldn't help me and a therapist couldn't help me, she didn't know what else to do. She just wanted me to wait till I saw it myself. Which, oh, Go ahead. Oh, sorry. No. Which is horrible to like think that my mom was worried about me all the time. And I couldn't even talk to my own mom, who I'm very close with, Mm -hmm. about anything. And now I'm very close with her, and I talk to her about everything. I'll never put myself through that again. Now you know the the red flags of these, uh, because he started even somewhat love-bombing your parents by doing nice things for them, mowing the lawn. Yeah, and... He tried bonding with my dad all the time. He watched TV with my dad when he was over, like if me and my mom were cooking dinner. Like he is tried to establish a nice relationship with my family in the first year. And then the second year went on and he just stopped coming over as much. My parents would invite us to dinner and he would come up with an excuse. He even didn't come to my birthday dinner because he took a shift for a friend, even though it wasn't his shift. He took off for my birthday, but his friend needed his shift covered. And I got really upset that he didn't want to come to my birthday dinner. And because my parents planned a place that me and my boyfriend like to go to. Mm -hmm. And then he just stopped coming around as much and making me drive all the way to him every day and sleeping over there like almost every day. Was he older than you? Yes. he. I was 17 and he was 
20, about to be 21 when we started dating. Mm. So he definitely knew what he was doing. He had previous relationships before me. Mm-hmm. One of them, one of his exes, I'm actually great friends with now because we got into contact after um, we broke things off and the patterns were the same, like almost the same exact relationship. And that's when I knew that it was all a lie that he just wanted to control someone because he definitely is a control freak and likes to be in control of everything in his life. And now I'm very relieved that I got the help I needed and was able to be strong enough to get away from him. Did you go back to counseling? For Yeah, for a little bit. And then... Right now, I just have no time, but I kind of just do my own type of therapy and mm-hmm. just meditate, write my write what happened down, and I talk to my friends all the time. But yeah, I did. For the first month, I went to therapy. Mm-hmm. Did your friends say, hey, what happened to you? You know, you just disappeared from us for a couple years. Yeah, they were like... All of them were astonished how I left so quickly. And then when I came back, they didn't even recognize me. Like my personality was different. Obviously, I was depressed from my past relationship, but I wasn't like my own self. Like I I definitely was still like a part of him when Mm -hmm. we broke up. That's the part where I had the hardest time like finding my own self and my own personality again. And my friends were very worried for a while and I just had a hard time for the first few months, but I finally just, when I, after I went to therapy, it just helped so much. And my friends finally, they congratulated me when I was able to actually laugh and be myself around them. Because you had to come out of that fog of his uh, course of control manipulations. It's very difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like just I would have nightmares about like our arguments and some of our arguments were scary. Just the way he would twist my words and put it onto me like it was my fault. He was talking to other girls. It was my fault that just that guys like would flirt with me and I would still turn them down. But like it was always my fault. You blame it on the way I dressed or the way I, because I was nice to people. He once blamed me for a guy that asked me out at work that I was too nice to him, that he saw me flirt with him before and that I should have known. Wow. He's, he sounds horrible. I'm sorry. You know, yeah. I had to go through that. Yeah. Um, when he was around your friends was he nice to them when you were around them or was he cold he he was very weird around his friends um we had mutual friends so he was pretty normal around them but friends from his school he was very weird like he put on this persona that he was such this cool guy and then he'd be like oh this is this is jackie and i'm like okay like wouldn't even say I was his girlfriend. Like he was embarrassed and he never talked to them though. It, it would be like, oh, we saw him at the mall. 
he would just go say hi to them and just put on his personality like a, he was still in high school and just oh it's my girlfriend and then would go back to the conversation and I would never be put into conversation mm-hmm. and but he was pretty normal around people that I knew now which, oh, go ahead which I thought it was normal but then I realized I couldn't even talk to them because those were my only friends were his friends but oh that, yeah, and, that's really it right now Right. And they would tell him whatever you're saying. So. Mm-hmm. And one time I did lash out in front of them and they asked him why. And then that caused an argument. They didn't mean to, cause we're still good friends now. And they actually dropped him after we broke up. Cause if I kind of came out after we broke up and said what happened, like everything I kind of told them everything the day we broke up and they didn't know they just thought they were helping and that caused a huge argument because I lashed out when it was actually him being triggering me the whole time he know he knew what annoyed me and what triggered me mm-hmm. he would like say these jokes about my arms like they were too hairy or that my hair looked weird and he would like tickle me, even though I hated being tickled in front of people, or he would pinch me. Mm-hmm. And I would have to tell him, no, stop. And I would get very annoyed at him. And I lashed out and I yelled at him. And he blamed me for that. Like he liked making fun of me in front of people. He thought it made him look good. Oh, that terrible. Uh, did he leave bruises on you at all? Yeah, I'm very anemic, so I hope that's the reason, but he pinched me pretty hard. And after we broke up, my friends even said, that was weird. Like, you were telling him to stop Mm -hmm. constantly. And he did that multiple times when we were over. And I just lashed out. And he said I was abusive. (sighs) Because I had to tell him to stop multiple times. And I had to smack his arm off me. Mm-hmm. And he said that I hurt him. <sighs> but when you have to say no constantly to someone who you trust and who is purposely making fun at you, I'm going to have to like get you off of me somehow. Mm-hmm. And he that caused a huge argument. No, he it's... said I was, it was domestic abuse. I don't... <sighs> which oh my I goodness. thought I was an abuser at the end of that argument. And I apologized. Oh no. Yeah. So he, he knew how to turn everything on me. He, he was knew, very smart. Yeah. He knew how to brainwash. Mm-hmm. I think, I think we even, when we were talking on the phone earlier, you mentioned Stockholm syndrome. Um. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, you know, how was he doing with that? Basically what you told us, but did it get any worse than what you've told us already? Yeah, definitely. It progressed throughout the whole relationship. He would just change personalities instantly. And I didn't know. I, we would be arguing one second, then you'd be happy, go lucky. The person I fell in love with. 
-hmm. And then our arguments would turn into him. I just, he was very scary when he was angry. And I'm not good with confrontation. And I, I do not like when people yell at me. And he would just go from breaking up with, we broke up probably six times throughout our relationship. One time he broke up with me and dropped me off at my house, said, get, get the hell out of my car. I never want to see you again. I was like, okay. And then I went in my house crying. And he showed up the next morning calling me, asking if I wanted to go get a bite to eat, go out on a date. And I was so confused. Mm -hmm. Like I cried the whole night away. I'm tired. I don't understand. And he said, oh, that didn't happen. And just everything. He would make me feel like I was making everything up in my head. Right. And that's and I felt really insane. Uh-huh. Yeah, I felt insane. Mm -hmm. And not right. Oh, oh my gosh. No. And you know, when you're in high school, do you think other guys were like this? Uh, were there other guys like this that you maybe, you know, talked to other girls that were going through this type of thing with their boyfriends? I did have one friend going through it and I was a different, before I met my boyfriend, I helped her through it. And I told her all the signs, her boyfriend was cheating on her and treating her horribly. And I told her that's horrible. That's abuse. And I can't believe I told her that, but couldn't take my own advice. Mm. And I helped, I helped her get out of that relationship. And she was only in it for, I would say probably a year. Like we were sophomores. Mm-hmm. when they started dating and it wasn't a, a senior mm-hmm. and that's when I realized that when after the three years that we were together and I kind of remembered me being for my friend and I took my own advice I can't believe it took me that long I wish I knew sooner but mm-hmm. even she said that she didn't know the signs until someone outside could tell her and that is just horrible that people feel so alone in that type of relationship. Mm-hmm. And you know, this can happen to, to young men as well. So what you're mm-hmm. saying can apply to both sexes. And <clears throat> I know when we were talking on the phone about, you know, I had asked, you know, how was he raised as a kid? And apparently he had been in foster care for a little bit. And then he was mm-hmm. taken in by a foster family. But do you think, you know, I, I thought, you know, I don't know what happened in the, in his case, but maybe he was ripped away from loving fit parents, or maybe he was ripped a- or taken away from abusive parents. I mean, we don't know. Mm-hmm. And maybe- He was so young when that happened. So I, no one knew the psychological effects. Mm-hmm. And he never showed his family that side because I still don't think his family knows what happened with us because he probably just, oh, we just broke up. Mm -hmm. That's how I can imagine it. Because when I started dating, um, when I started dating him, he just got out of relationship, but he lied to me because he told me, oh, I've been single for six months and blah, blah, blah. And then his mom asked who I was that was wondering where his ex was. And 
he just, oh, we broke up. This is my new girlfriend. And I should have known that was weird, but I just thought, oh, she probably just, maybe they don't talk that much or anything. But when I got in contact with the ex, she was there. She was over at his house like a week prior, hanging out with him. Hmm. And I never want to be that person to get right into a relationship after someone just broke up with someone. So mm-hmm. I asked him before we started dating, hey, how long have you been single? Mm-hmm. I don't want to be with someone who's still in love with another person because I started liking him. And he just said, oh, we've been broken up for six months. I've been over her. And I just, after hearing her side, mm-hmm. every story he would tell me about her, how horrible a person, how abusive she was and then I heard her size and side of the story and it completely made sense like it was just him telling his side but I don't know if he just really believes it himself or he knows he's lying but it was some crazy stuff that she told me because I heard all the stories and she always had a she always had the other side that like oh that makes sense why you would act like that Hmm. and I can't believe he he's he abused us both for six years because she was dating him for three years before me. And she was young, too. She was 15 and he was 18 when they started dating. Mm-hmm. And that's like the horrible thing, because then we started dating like around like he was about to turn 21. And my parents were like, that's kind of weird that a 21 year old wants to date a high schooler. Mm -hmm. and but they just said of if you're safe then it's fine we'll approve of it we don't want to tell you what to do but then I feel like they started noticing that the age difference would really factor Mm -hmm. in our problems and that's the insane part Hmm. yeah it's did you think Going back and thinking about his childhood, do you think, I mean, not to make excuses for this person, but do you think this, you know, he maybe kept going back in time to that trauma and was reliving the trauma in these relationships? I think so, because within the first week I met him, oh, geez. Oh, my computer just popped up something. I'm sorry. We're and good. the first, I thought you were off from, but the first week he met me, he told me all of these horrible things that happened to him. But he, he told me that's what it, my mom told me, his adoptive mom. And he didn't remember anything. So he wasn't affected. And I, was, I just was so confused because I don't understand how he couldn't remember those things. But then I, now I do understand, like, sometimes the brain makes you forget mm-hmm. things that are horrible that happen to you. And I think that's what led him out to have horrible lash outs and anger problems later in life. Because mm-hmm. one time I caught him cheating and he punched the wall. Mm. And I just didn't understand how it'd bring out that much anger in him for something he did and that's what I feel like the psychological effects he forgot hit the memories himself but it was still in his brain somewhere of all the anger just pushed down and it would come out for random moments I would never know 
when we were going to have a bad argument. Yeah, that's such a shame. Because when you meet the right one, at least for me, it just went so smoothly. There were really mm -hmm. no arguments. Um, you know, thank God I had known his, you know, I knew of his brother for like 12 years. So I, I knew his family was stable mentally. I don't know yeah. why, but, you know, he came from a solid family. Um, so I could trust marrying him. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> it's just so hard to find someone without anger issues. Yeah. Because I never grew up like that. I never had to worry about my dad punching wall or my mom lashing out on me like that. Mm -hmm. And his parents didn't do that. Well, I never met his dad, which I thought was very weird. Mm. His parents separated, but I never met his dad. And you never talk about his dad. So I don't know what happened there. The three and a half years, I never knew. But his mom never, she was always very level-headed. And every time they had an argument, she would always just have a calm voice. And the arguments were always about the same thing, like him not having a stable job, him not going, finishing college. It was just always strange mm -hmm. that it wasn't from his adoptive family, but it was from whatever happened to him just carried on throughout his life. Yeah. That's a lot of unanswered questions. Mm -hmm. And sometimes his mom didn't know how to argue with him and she would put it on me, which. Oh, <laughs> I, yeah, she, Oh, can you get him to do his chores? Can you get him to, I had to help him get a better job. I had to go on Indeed with him because she wanted him to actually like work because he wasn't working for the first year of his, we were dating. And my parents always thought that was weird. Like, how does he have all this money to buy me gifts? Because he always bought me expensive gifts. Mm -hmm. The first two days we were dating, he bought me like an, an $300 line of skincare products because I couldn't afford them. Huh. And then he bought me new shoes. He bought me, he took me shopping for my birthday that year and got me a bunch of new clothes. Aww. And I always didn't understand how he had the money. He just said, oh, I just saved up money. And, oh, my dad gives me an allowance. And I'm like, that's some allowance. And then yeah. his mom was so confused how he's able to take me out to dinner all the time. And she asked me to help him. And I even told him, you need to get a job. Mm -hmm. This is ridiculous. And then she would, hey, can you tell him to, to mow the lawn? He listens to you. Can you tell him to take his dog to groomer? Like, she would text me instead of texting him. Oh, no. No way. And I always thought that was odd, but I would just do what she said. Because I did, I did love his mother. Uh -huh. But even, I feel like deep down, she knew that he was just not a great person. Mm -hmm. and didn't want to deal with him. But it's also wrong to text you and put you in the middle and parentify you. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe she tried to get him help. I don't know. But she did put it on me. Even the ex before me said she did that. I don't know what kind of arguments they got into. They've gone to a couple arguments in front of me. And... It was over him not having a job, and he ran outside and got in his truck and yelled at me to get in. 
And I'm like, this is not normal for you to have this relationship with your mom. I do not do this with my mom. Mm -hmm. And he blamed it on her saying she was pushing him. And I like kind of agreed because like I didn't understand Mm because I was so young and I didn't like being pushed by my parents. But then I realized she was doing it out of love. He needed to have his own life, not living with her and living off her money because she was living comfortably. Mm. and he just didn't grow up he Mm -hmm. didn't have any ambitions he changed his career path like four times when we were together I never knew what he was going to be and that caused a lot of arguments because I wanted to make sure I was going to marry someone because I thought I was going to marry him I was going to marry someone that had a stable career because I was already starting my career when we were practically ending our relationship Mm -hmm. And it was just insane that someone older than me still didn't have their life together. Yeah. And there, there's a lot out there like that, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he would push me to go to different colleges to try to make more money mm-hmm. because, and he wanted me to make more money in my job because I'm just, I guess my job didn't make enough money for him. Mm-hmm. When he heard the salary of what I was going to school for, he was disappointed. And I was just like so upset because that's what I've been wanting to do for so long. And he just turned me down saying, no, you need to do something else. I want to live. I want to live in a nice house with nice things and your salary isn't going to cut it. Oh, he's he's looking for a retirement fund. Yeah. And I thought he was going to become an engineer. That's what he told me when we first became, when we first became a couple. Mm -hmm oh, I'm going to become an engineer. I'll make good money. And I'm like, oh, I just want to work with animals. And he just wanted me to become a doctor. Oh, doctors make a lot of money. I'm like, that's Mm. not what I want to do though. Mm -hmm. And he wanted dual income and was very focused on making a lot of money, even though he wasn't taking the strides himself and pursuing that. It's It's just so bizarre. And I think because he lived a very comfortable life that he wanted to live that way too, but he has to work for it. And he didn't want to, he was very lazy. Mm -hmm. And I never realized that I was doing his chores and he was playing games when he came home from work after working like maybe five hours, he was like, I'm exhausted. And I worked a very hard job at that point. And I would work sometimes 10 hour shifts and he would still ask me to cook dinner if we were hanging out. I'm sorry you went through that. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that that's it how horrible. it is horrible. But, you know, with you explaining this to young people and even, you know, people that have come out of a divorce and they're starting to date again, I think it's good for, for them to hear this podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I didn't, I didn't have the access to know, like, any of this I guess I could have done more research but I didn't know what I was going through Mm -hmm. until after I was out of the relationship and I was told the signs by my therapist and I finally like I laughed when she told me because I felt thought I was crazy Mm -hmm. and after going through that I just hope that 
I know it happens to everyone, but I would never wish that on my worst enemy, mm-hmm. that type of relationship. Mm-mm. And it's just, I, it would be helpful if I had like these resources now. Mm-hmm. Now your high school, they never taught any type of psychology or, you know, Mm-mm. nothing. No, they just like kind of that. I don't think they put anything into actual psychology and even in health class, they didn't talk about relationships, which I think is very important. Mm-hmm. They just focused on abstinence and um, STDs. And I feel like yeah. they should have focused more on <laughs> yeah. actual relationships because that's mostly what people are going to go into during high school or after and the signs of like emotional or physical abuse Mm -hmm. I was not taught that because I didn't grow up in a I didn't grow up with parents that were emotionally or physically abusive I grew up in a very stable home and so I didn't know the signs and I wish someone taught me that before because I would have as soon as I saw him I and like we and we started dating, I would have been able to tell him no and broke up with him. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't have wasted three years. Well, you know, it seems it's a learning experience that you can teach others. Mm-hmm. That this, you know, these are the red flags. If this starts happening, you'll be able to teach others. So I, I know it was horrible, but and you know a little bit of a waste but you gained a lot of knowledge from this Mm -hmm. yes I gained a lot of knowledge for what I want in a person and what to look out for and I've even helped a couple friends after that I gained after in their relationship and um they even thanked me for what I've gone through because it can really help them Mm -hmm. and I'm able to like, even when I'm watching TV and see these types of relationships, I'm like, that's horrible. What's happening to them. And people love that stuff. Like Mm. love these movies where the guy is just horrible to them. Mm -hmm. And when I was in that relationship, I thought it was so romantic for someone to be so controlling. Because you think they care about you. Yeah. Like, I feel like the movie Twilight is a good example of that. I mm-hmm. thought it was so romantic. And then after my relationship, I realized, oh my gosh, that's horrible. Like these people are so horrible, mm-hmm. like so controlling, have to be with them 24 seven, like alienation in the movie. It's just mm-hmm. horrible. Mm-hmm. And I never want to, I'm very independent and I was independent before I met him mm-hmm. and then everything changed. And you don't see it changing. That's, you know, the thing, like you had said in the beginning, it happened so gradually, you don't mm-hmm. notice this evolving. Yes. Um, he was very slow in how he manipulated me. Mm-hmm. Because the first year I was very happy. And he didn't, he wasn't too controlling. He did tell me what to wear, but I was just, eh, that's fine. I'm in love with him, so it's fine. I can, I can just work with it. And then the second year he just started not coming around my family I asked him to come to like family dinners all the time didn't want to didn't have interest and then the third year he started talking to other girls and not even hiding it 
And that's when I started sticking up for myself. And that's when he had enough of me. And then I found out he was cheating on me. And then he, after I found out he was cheating on me, he just decided to ghost me and break up with me. And that's when I let him, I just, after he broke up with me, I didn't fight. Mm -hmm. I just, I was done. I was emotionally done and over it. And I was literally in my parents' arms crying. Mm -hmm. And I was just completely emotionally drained. Mm -hmm. I slept probably for, I slept like, I would say like 12 hours a day for almost a week. And I still was exhausted and I just didn't want to get out of bed. I didn't want to talk to anyone. Mm -hmm. It was the worst month of my life. I would feel like going through that. Yeah. Emotionally draining. It just takes so much out of you followed by depression. And sometimes you get depressed and you don't really realize you're depressed. Mm-hmm. So you know, where you're at now, you're in a better place. And when we were talking on the phone earlier, you said you really don't even feel like dating. And I don't blame you. After going through this. I just, I'm very content with myself and my family and friends. I just don't feel like I need to just be romantically involved with anyone. I'm very happy and secure with myself right now. And it took me a long time to get to this point. And I really don't, I know that it's not normal to find a guy like I did, but I'm afraid to do that again. Mm -hmm. So I would just rather be single for right now until I feel emotionally ready. No, that's very smart. There's, you know, my friend wrote a book called Married to an Illusion by Bailey Smith and kind of like the same thing and how she, you know, was, was in that relationship. So people are coming out with books of, of, you know, what they've gone through in these abusive relationships. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and there's also another one that's called You're Not Crazy by Lynn Steinberg. And that's for people that have suffered what like like what you were describing and you think you're crazy because you've been gaslighted 200 times and really it's not you. Mm-hmm. No, it's never you, but you'll never know. Right. Until right. you're taken out of that perspective. Very and true. yeah, until you actually get someone else's perspective because my friends, like our mutual friends, when they saw us argue and after we broke up there, they always, they told me how weird that was and how he got so offended after basically tormenting you Mm -hmm. and he blamed it on you and they thought it was weird. And then that's when I knew like, okay, this is the right decision to not be with him. So I was still in love with him and he was already in another relationship. So it really helped me break free from him after I heard someone else's perspective and learning he already moved on. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if he actually moved on because he's probably doing the same thing to her. Mm-hmm. But I then I knew I'm going to be okay and going to be able to by myself. Mm-hmm. 
well, you know, sometimes you're better off being alone than to put up with abuse. Yes. Of any kind. I would, I would rather be alone for the rest of my life than be in that relationship mm -hmm. again. Yeah, I understand. I, you know, and I, I don't want to keep you all evening. I know you want to probably <laughs> grab some dinner. Um, is there any advice you can give to people who have just entered a relationship and this stuff is starting to ramp up? Um, if they ever tell you what to do that, and like many arguments, he would know my opinion, my opinions on certain things. Like he had a concealed carry and I was very uncomfortable with guns. And he just made me feel like I was the person, like I was wrong in the arguments. If he, if anyone ever makes you feel like you're wrong or that your opinions are wrong, that it's just, you need to run away. Mm -hmm. if, if the person you love is fine with making you feel uncomfortable and making you feel stupid, then they don't really love you. No, they don't. It's a twisted love, but it's not love. No. And what? just horrible. <laughs> yes. But I, totally... I can never imagine it myself. I still don't know how he pulled it off. How someone could be that dark and twisted. Mm -hmm. Well, I commend you for ending it and, and walking away and moving on. And, and, mm -hmm. and you know... And I'm sure at some point you'll meet someone, maybe in a year or two, but you'll you'll just uh, you'll see things coming a lot quicker than where you were that time. Mm -hmm. So you know, um, I won't keep you, but um, if anyone wants <laughs> to ask Jackie a question, you can come through dismantlingfamilycourtcorruption.com. And I can get her your question and answer it for, get it, get it back to you. But hey, Jackie, don't jump off. Slam the Gavels, a podcast to help the public understand what really goes on in these family courtrooms. I am your host, Marianne Petrie, author of Dismantling Family Court Corruption, Why Taking the Kids Was Not Enough, and Cry Out for Justice, Poems of Truth. And I'm sure we'll have Jackie back on for updates in the future. And thank you very much, Jackie, for your insight. I totally appreciate this podcast. Of course. Thank you for having me on. Oh, I appreciate you. Thank you. Mm-hmm.